What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday, or whatever day of the week it is when you are watching or listening to this. Welcome to the With Her Two Hands podcast, where each week we celebrate women who build, fix, and make things with their own two hands. I am your host, Bogey, and this week I am very excited to be joined by an incredible woman that I have been trying to get on as a guest on this series for many months now, uh, finally made it work. She is a construction engineer out of the UK, and she also has her own podcast. She does a ton of incredible things. She's very inspiring, very quick-witted. I think you're really going to enjoy getting to know her as much as I have. Now, quick disclosure, this is a pre-recorded episode. We are not actually live right now, uh, and that is because in UK time, it's one o'clock in the morning. So decided maybe didn't want to do that to her and make her stay up so late just to be a guest on the podcast. So this is pre-recorded, but I will be hanging out in the comments. So um, without further ado, I'm going to quit blabbing and bring on tonight's guest. Please, everybody, let's welcome Michelle Hands. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm very good. Yeah, I'm honored to be here to be chatting with you. So very much looking forward to it. I, I feel the feeling is mutual. I am honored to have you on as a guest and to be getting to hang out with you. You do some amazing things in the world of empowering women. Um, but for anybody who doesn't know you, tell the fine folks at home a little bit about who you are, what you do, which background is. Cool. So yeah, my name is Michelle. Um, I'm in the UK. And I have been a site stroke setting out construction engineer uh, in the UK since the age of 21 and I fell into the construction industry. Um, I did like a summer job after university and um, I originally started working on landfills uh, doing like a quality assurance job and then decided that I wanted to go more the engineering route. So that took me into like setting out and land surveying. And then probably around about seven years ago, I was chatting to some friends of mine and talking about the experiences that I'd had on site. And they were like, this is not normal. And I was like, what? <laughs> They're like, the stuff that you were talking about is not normal. And I was like, what? Nobody poops in your lunchbox or like, you know, you don't work with like, mass Tell me murderers. that didn't actually happen. Somebody pooped. Uh, not mine, but somebody else's. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Did. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. great. So, uh, so they, yeah. were, they were like, they were like, oh, you, and I said, oh, that's not the worst of it. So then I just basically started documenting on Facebook um, the funny stuff that was happening, but also what my job involved being on a construction site. And the aim at the time was really just to entertain people. Like I'd wanted to go to film school and I, I went to film school, but did acting and didn't really gel with that, but still very much interested in storytelling. So I guess it was my way of being able to tell this very unique story because I was in a very unique world of just being the only woman on site and quite young with that. And then that developed probably in the last five years to being more of a positive, um, I guess, way of telling my story. So that's when I changed my Instagram used to be, this is a man's world and it flicked mm. it to, there's wins and just trying to create more of a positive vibe off the stuff. Um, you know, the funny stuff's still there, but I realized that I was actually helping other women to come into trades and to come in into engineering by just showing them what I was doing. Um, 
so that's kind of where the flip took and and then two days wins has kind of grown because i was able to connect with a lot of other women out there that weren't just in like construction trades you know lots of other male dominated careers and industries uh, were linking up with me so during covid i decided to kind of just put a brand to it again which was shoe wins and then do like a line of hoodies and t-shirts and now circling back the podcast is on it's like fourth season and i've just nice. reinvested a lot of money into doing it here from the <laughs> studio um so that's pretty much the story yeah is 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 that is telling people you know what i've experienced on a construction site in the last 17 I years now it. i love it there's like so much i want to talk about in there i mean just the point that you made about the similarity across these male-dominated trades and i feel like that's kind of been one of my big motivations in all of this as well is like you know in in the automotive world in the construction world and all of these different like you know subsects of the trades i feel like women are a huge minority obviously and we we feel really isolated and there's not many of us but when we realize that like women in other trades are going through the same things suddenly our sphere of support becomes much larger and that yeah. like maybe we can help share those stories and connect those communities. Cause I, and I think it's important that there are these smaller communities. There's like, you know, the female mechanics pages and the women in construction pages and the women in welding pages. And those are great. I think it's important because there's some uniqueness to each trade, but to have a place where like they can see that their struggles are similar across other trades and that they're really not alone. There are so many of us is so crucially important. Yeah, and I think you're right, like you feel so alone and then when you just start to look out there, especially with social media, you realise that there are lots of different tribes and, mm -hmm. and altogether we have this common theme and it's and a lot of it, you know, is a lot of when I speak to women that we enjoy the job. Um yes. and it's always been hard for me, and I, I guess you will probably have the same feelings that there's this hard line of telling, I like to say the good, the bad and the ugly, and I like to really mm -hmm you know, not hold back on anything, but equally right. discuss how good the job is because I wouldn't have been in it 17 years if it if it hadn't enriched my life and it hadn't have given yes. me a very good standard of living, et cetera, et cetera. But then there's this deep dark corner, which I feel some responsibility of being able to share because I've always been a freelance engineer, which means I'm self-employed. So if I didn't like a certain company's ethos or culture, I would move. I know there are other women out there that aren't as lucky and they depend upon a job sure. and therefore can't speak out. So I feel like a little bit of responsibility for those women too. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And, and it is, it's a fine line. It's interesting. I, I struggle with it often in the podcast and I'm, I'm wondering if you have a similar situation. Like I'll talk to women offline and they share all of the awful, right? And then we get on camera and it's, it's this desire to show the good side and show the positive because I think people do love, love, love the work that they do. And we love parts of the industries. Like there's aspects of it that we absolutely love and we want to encourage more women into these fields. But at the same time, like, like you said, like there's this dark corner that needs to get talked about and it's hard to. Like I'll, I'll speak with a woman offline and she tells me all of these horror stories. And then we get on camera and she's like, yeah, I've had a lot of support through my career. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. 
Yeah, it's be- I'm the opposite. I'm like, it's amazing. Then I get a camera. I'm like, well, let me tell you what happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, I I am that way too. And I often get like berated for being too down on the trades. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I'm 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 harsh on the trades because I love them because yeah. I want to see yeah. them be better. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's Ugh. true. And and you feel a sense of again. Um, yeah, a responsibility because the younger ones that are coming through, we can talk about, and this is interesting at events, we talk about how great it is that women are coming in. And if no one is really explaining what you get, you know, thrown into at the deep end when you start and what you're going to experience, then all that's going to happen is you're setting these girls up to fail and they're going to leave the industry. Whereas at least if I can give some kind of insight into what they're going to come up against, but equally say, you'll be okay. And this, you know, these are some tips to guide you through it, or then why would you not do that? And also for me, a really important thing is these big companies, especially in the UK, I don't know if you guys see it over there as well, is there's a lot of promotion on, yeah, we support women and yeah, we get women in. And and I did an event a couple of years ago and there was some big CEO of a huge construction company here. And they're like, yeah, we've got HR department that sorts our women and they, they any problems, they can go straight to them. And we are empowering women. We're getting mothers in, we're getting this. And I was sat there and I was like, in awe, I was like, this company sounds like the most amazing company in the world. And then after one of their employees came up to me and she was like, thank God for you. I did a talk. She was like, thank God for you being so honest. She was like, and, I, and she said, like these companies haven't got a clue and she and I said oh but your company has this like HR department she was like yeah and it's a guy so I'm not really going to want to speak to him about sexual harassment and I was like oh right and she was like and like last week some guy exposed himself to me on site and I was like yeah so this is the disparity between companies that are saying all this stuff and yet they're turning yes. their back on the real issues and right like you can't have someone in charge of HR for supporting women that is a male that they are not going to feel comfortable going to talk to. So it's and, right. and also and not saying that. Go, I was going to say not saying that there are some men who are wonderfully supportive of women and who would be great in that role, but yeah. but generally speaking, it's like what you're saying, and I've, we see it here too. We see it all over the place. Like what upper management thinks may not be trickling down. Like even if upper management is wholeheartedly on board and they genuinely are supportive and all about it if the culture of the space and if the lower level people the lower managers or just like the rank and file if they're not on board it doesn't matter yeah 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 and that's what you find is the they have all these policies in place and yet on site there's no one standing up and saying whoa 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 what you've just said is massively inappropriate or you cannot act in that way or it's not appropriate to touch people in that way like and and I think ultimately it's going to take years. I like I don't know if you see this in the automotive industry as well. Is that change is hard because it has always been typically male. And and sometimes I think we can't always blame men for this because it's just something that has evolved. And changing something overnight is not going to happen. You know, like people will say to me, "How do you deal with men like staring at you when you first go onto construction site?" And I'm like. And it's hard, but try and have a little bit of empathy. And they're like, what? And I'm like, well, that's all they've ever, that's all they've ever known. So if you've been to work and all you've ever known is and then something strange comes in, you are going to react differently and, and have boundaries and know what is appropriate and what's not. But someone just staring or asking questions, that's, you know, you're, you are stepping into an industry where you are on your own and you are changing the history 
of that industry mm-hmm. by just being there. So you need to understand yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's a really phenomenal point because I feel like there's there's different types of sexism that we experience on the in the field and different types of behaviors that are frustrating to deal with. Like some of them are overt, right? Like they're overtly inappropriate, the exposing yourself, the um being touched inappropriately, being sexually assaulted, being said horribly sexist things. Like that's all like the overt stuff and but I almost like, I don't, this is going to sound awful. I almost prefer that type because like, I can, I know where they stand and I can, I, I know exactly where they stand. Right. I know who they are. I can deal with them. Then there's like the subtle stuff, the like, we're going to be nice to you, but we're really trying to undermine you. Oh, the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's horrible. Cause then you don't know where you yeah. stand with them. Like, do I, can I trust you? Can I not trust you? Like, where's yeah. the fuzzy edges here? And then there's the what you're talking about, which is like the the really just naivety stuff. It's really not out of sexism. It's just more out of like, oh, well, uh, that's different. Okay, um, <laughs> and it's yeah, frustrating. Massively, it's not- a good example. Just a, a little story on that. When I first started in construction on one particular project, I had a guy, there were two guys working together and one of them said, wouldn't you rather, the first like comment was, wouldn't you rather be working at a, a makeup store? And I was like, well, you clearly don't know me, but, and I took, <laughs> I, I took offense to it. Flash forward three years, those two guys wouldn't have any other engineer on the site but me. And they were in their like early sixties and I kind of put it down to that naivety and, and they were such good friends. They they got me pay rises that I never asked for. They protected me. And if I'd have taken them off that first comment, right. it would, would have been unfair. So I completely get that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was recently at a conference teaching um, shop class instructors, and we were talking about like, how so much of the stuff that women have to deal with on a regular basis that becomes like just a lot, right? Like it's it's any little comment out of, you know, by itself isn't horrible. It's the cumulative effect of all of it. Yeah. It's like the all day long being like little chips taken out and how frustrating that is. But how so much of it is like really well-intentioned stuff and that most people think that they're doing a really good job of being accepting of women in non-traditional jobs, even when they're completely not being, but they think they are. And like, that's the hardest part about making the change is because having those conversations is like, it's rough. Like I had this guy after class say, so it's, it's not okay for me to like, you know, in class, uh, ask the girl that's in the class if she really wants to be a mechanic. And I'm like, no, that's not okay. If if you're not asking the guys, if they really want to be like, are you sure you want to do this? It's not okay. (laughs) If you wouldn't ask a guy the question, don't ask a girl the question. Yeah. Yeah, there's and there is. I think those people that push boundaries, um, and I've yeah, I've seen. And sometimes it's naivety, and then sometimes it's just an excuse. Um, That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So no, it's it's it is interesting. Going back to what you said about the kind of, I think that's really important about the different types of people, and they don't always fit into those three categories, but. Sure fits pretty well um the, yeah you're right for anyone listening out there that's kind of going into a trade or any male dominated environment be wary of of not the person that says a spade is a spade because you know where you stand with them and to a certain you know degree you can respect that you can yeah you can respect the relationship that you're going to have 
and put boundaries in. Yeah. But I yeah. I have struggled, and I've said this on other podcasts, with kind of middle management. And one particular guy um, that I was working alongside, I went on maternity and I'd had a very long-term relationship with the client who he was not involved with. He was a subcontractor. And when I went on maternity, I employed a guy to take my place and he tried to say to that guy just forget michelle and and come direct and it wasn't even his company it wasn't his client and he tried to convince the client and luckily enough and this is where relationships comes into play is the client was like no she's been our engineer for years like what and yet on site he was my best friend um Mm. and it was only i was told through a real male ally what he was trying to do and ultimately this was quite interesting is it came down to jealousy jealous of my position, jealous of my salary, jealous of my freedom. And, you know, those are the things that you're going to come against. And those are the hard things to deal with that, you know, you can, to a certain extent, nobody wants to do it, but deal with the comments and and the things face to face. But it's those, it's those sneaky things behind your back that actually hurt more because they end up hurting not only potentially your reputation, but work. And at the end of the day, we're all just trying to make a living. Yeah, 100%. My first dealership that I worked at in the automotive world was um, horribly sexist. I mean, they were they were old school New Yorkers. I was the, the young female. They didn't know what to make of me. But I, they're New Yorkers. So they tell you exactly where you stand. Like they are in your face. Like I had this guy like pounding his fist on the table saying like, you don't belong here. Women don't belong in the shop. I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, well, like just really like angry at my existence. But I knew where he stood. And as much as it sucked, like that actually motivated me more and pushed me to keep going and to be better. And then fast forward, I moved to Arizona where it's a little nicer on the surface, but I had people undermining me behind my back, but smiling to my face. And that is so much more insidious because it it gets into your head and you have to like really like be strong to put up with that. Yeah. Yeah. I I want to go back in time a little bit because you said something right at the beginning, like you fell into this and then your friends were like, that's not normal. And I'm just imagining like, you know, if it was my very first job and I had no context and I'd never worked anywhere else and had no understanding of what a professional work environment looked like and just going into this right off the bat, it, it does. You think it's that that's what's normal. Um, how did you... How did you fall into this and what was that experience like kind of coming up and and being so young in this industry? So I fell into quite a niche area of construction, which I suppose was quite good and quite quickly made a name for myself because it's a job that not many people knew about and um, within like the waste sector. So I think that helped. But yeah, I mean, I turned up. I've always had this just like have a go and see what happens mentality. And I think I get that from my dad. And so it was a summer job and I took the job and they handed me some like, you know, an oversized high vis, some boots. And I remember the first day I was just saying, so, so we've got to put this soil here and this, and they were like clay, like they were being very specific obviously about it wasn't soil. It was, you know, in this material. And, and I was like, and that, digger over the the excavator. So it was very clear that I hadn't worked in construction. And I had this massive manual of like quality assurance that had to be done for this job. And I was in charge of sitting between the client and the contractor. So there was no one, the company that I worked for were in a head office somewhere else. So I was literally that representative for that company on that site. 
So it was pretty scary. Um, and I just took every day as it came. And I don't think I really realized that, you know, certain things weren't normal because I think you just, at, in your early twenties, you just go with the flow. And I've always yeah. loved, you know, banter with guys. I went to an all girls school and it was incredibly quiet mm. right up until the age of like 17. Yeah. And, and, and always, yeah, incredibly quiet to the age of like 17, 18. And then I went to, at 17, I went to a mixed school. And then um, at 18, I went to university. And I, just through family friends, I was always surrounded by, you know, guys. It, it wasn't like I was in this kind of niche of just always being around girls. But I don't know whether the experience of being at school and being around girls kind of pushed me away from, I, don't, I think it was just pers- like circumstantial that I got a job just working with men. Um, and because that's all I've ever known, I often wonder what it would have been like to have worked alongside other women. Uh, but yeah, so that that was really my first introduction. And then when I moved into like, I guess, proper construction, so, you know, building houses, bridges, trams, roads, sewers, that kind of stuff. That's a different side to construction in the UK in that you're very much, there's lots more people at different levels. So there's ground okay. workers, middle management, whereas on the landfill, there wasn't really that much. Like you'd have one contractor and a few levels. And that was really interesting. My first ever job was building a tram and they'd gone through so many engineers because everyone hated the job that when I got in there, I think it was like, Jesus, like someone just wants the job. And hey, I'll never forget <laughs> my manager. He looked at me as if to say, she hasn't got a clue. Um, but he said to me, he was like, you've got two weeks. I'm going to put you with someone. You've got two weeks. It's sink or swim. And I remember coming out and thinking, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I just got a job and I've got two weeks. And and I just took it in my stride. And, and what I will say is pretty much on every project, there's been an amazing engineer or a manager or someone who's taken me under the wing. And these people exist and they deserve so much credit. Like I could name probably five people of my whole career who have been the perfect male allies that have, you know, have taught me a lot, have helped me, have supported me. And those people exist. So anyone out there thinking about going into the industry, you just have to find them. Um, yes. And oh, amen. They are, yeah. And they are wonderful. And nine times out of 10, I've realized this like now in my late thirties that they have, when I look at their relationships at home with their mothers, with their wives, with their daughters, ultimately the bottom baseline is they have massive respect for women. Um, yes. And that's really interesting. And they bring it to work and they don't default from it. So they, if someone makes a comment, they won't just go along with it because the others are laughing just to be one of the lads. They stand up right. and have strong values. So, so yeah, but no, I, I've worked with some incredibly funny characters and I, that is what I like the work. Yeah. You know, it's enjoyable work and you're in a team and you're doing something very useful and you get to see what you've done at the end. But for me, I think my passion has always been meeting people from all walks of life and learning their mm. stories and how that's enriched my life. And they are so different, like from the age of probably 13, like I, my parents, my dad's a businessman done very well for themselves. And I was, you know, privileged to travel the world and have a really good education. And then to go and work with people who've not had that, but have these incredibly rich lives and, and the funny side and stories. And, you know, I, I've learned so much about drugs working in construction that I'd have never <laughs> have known. And, and what you can and can't do and, and how you can 
well yes yeah, it's, it's just it, and and it's funny like I did say to my husband I was like it's like a Hollywood movie and I think that's what's kept me in it the stuff that I've experienced or seen you couldn't write or you wouldn't or people wouldn't believe it 100% and people don't believe it as well it's like your friends when you were sharing stories and they're like that's not normal Michelle yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not totally. not yeah. normal for that to happen it you're 100% right and it is difficult to explain and there is so much good about it and there are so many wonderful allies like I I, I want to acknowledge your point there because that is 100% the truth there are some phenomenal allies out there and I think some some men who might be listening, um, you know, the, there's often like the talk about the, mat, the, the the not so good examples of men. And then we say that there's some really great allies. I, I'm curious if you could, for our audience, for anybody listening who who is wanting to be a good male ally, like what is that? What does that look like? And you, know, you mentioned a couple of things like not giving in to the funny the not funny joke, but just that everybody else is laughing at that's inappropriate, like not getting into that, standing up for that. But what are some other examples of how somebody in your estimation can be like what makes a really great male ally? So, yeah, I mean, for example, there's different, obviously, obviously different people are going to do different things for you. Um, but the ones that I've, I've never had, again, you've got to think about your personality too and, and what you would like help with to kind of finding your best ally. But I've never had a problem with people saying stuff because I've got a sharp tongue and I know quite quickly how to comedically put it to bed. Um, so I've never kind of really needed help on that. But, you know, sometimes when something really crude said that just really makes your toes curl and someone saying, do you know what? It's, they don't say anything. If they just don't laugh, then the person that mm -hmm. says it feels like an idiot. So just not yeah. laughing and just looking away because if you step in and say something they go oh you're just protecting her because she's a girl but by not saying anything really really instills the kind of like oh okay i've overstepped the mark here so the mm. silent treatment is a good one and then maybe afterwards they can go up to that person and say like stop being an idiot like i can't believe you said that like that's wrong because sometimes i think when it's said in front of you it can make you feel uncomfortable about the situation so dealing with things yeah. not necessarily in front of somebody possibly helps and then other great mate allies have just been really supportive so you know on the days where you don't think you can do things and saying you know you can you've got this or do you need help or um you know what and not silly little things like you picking up something that they know you can carry that's not going to happen yes. like thank you for clarifying that yes it's the question right. do you need help right yeah it's not the yeah. taking over it's the asking of no. the question yeah yeah exactly yeah um so I guess it takes a little bit of thought and then ultimately someone that will stand by you all of these people that I've worked with once I've left the company that I'm working with them alongside with them at the company they've still remained friends and that's really important like there's a handful of men that I've worked with that not only supported me when I was there but still to this day you know put in a call once a month how are you? And it's not always work related. It might be, but it, it might also just be like, you know, how's your career going? What are you up to? Um, or if they go on to a job and that job's looking for an engineer of saying, oh, I know someone and then give it someone in the freelance world. It's, you know, finding jobs sometimes can be hard. So when someone puts your name forward, they're putting their neck on the line because a lot of things that I do in my job can actually go wrong. So your reputation, they appreciate that. Um, so I think, yeah, I think mainly 
from that perspective in terms of I've never really had a one occasion I had um a situation where a guy was just being a bit too over friendly and made me feel uncomfortable when I was in a cabin on my own with him and I don't know whether it's because I have read too many crime stories um or listen to me crime podcasts as, a, as like a young adult that when I came into construction I trusted nobody I was like hey, I'm so with you I was like I, tr- I won't walk through a car park where it's dark like to me everyone's a murderer and I just have to protect myself um probably a little bit on the on the far-fetched side of things but I kind of got stuck in this office I'm always really good I've been acutely aware of and I, I never talk about this because I don't really want to frighten people but you also have to protect yourself. And I've been mm-hmm. in a field in the middle of nowhere and someone's just announced that they've come out of prison for doing 15 years for murder. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only person with them. And there's been no safeguarding from the company to give me heads up on that or a sexual offense oh, wow. uh, offender who I'm working with or someone who, oh, wow. yeah, it's just, it's endless. Um, it's not endless, but there are those horror <laughs> stories. And yeah. I kind of got stuck into this and I didn't, yeah, it's intense. I didn't say anything. And literally, like, within seconds, somebody, a guy had come in, one of the guys who um, was running the job, and just pulled this guy out because he'd read the situation. And he was like, don't ever leave yourself in an office with Michelle on your own. That's not for you to do. And I was just massively appreciative because then that guy left me alone for the rest of the job rather than me having to either get into a sticky situation or having to then, you know, it is embarrassing having to go to someone and say, look, I think this person's getting a bit too intense. Could you do something about yeah. it? He just read the situation and acted. Um, and the, the, the awesome. other one is the guy that was saying that was trying to get kind of get rid of me for whatever jealousy reasons. The male ally, ally there in that case, he told me, he was like, I'm letting you know this is what's going on on site and I am not going to stand by it. So I'm going to do what I'm going to say, what I need to say, but I also want to make you aware. Um, yeah. yeah. So there, there are people out there that exist and I've never had to kind of ask someone to back me up but I think they've done it out of um, respect and it's cool. It's massively yeah. cool. No, that's, that's phenomenal. And those are some great examples. And I think you're right. Like it come at the end of the day, it comes down to just respecting a person as a person, regardless of being male or female, but also being conscious yeah. of those additional challenges that women might face in a male dominated field and being alert and aware of those things and on the lookout for them. Like that one who, who pulled the guy out of the cabin, like that's, you know, it's respect. And when you truly genuinely respect somebody, regardless of their gender, then like, you're going to be a great ally, period. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I I don't know if you agree with this as well, but the construction industry in the UK has a huge suicide rate. So yeah, and and it's a very stressful environment. It's very intense, you know, it's dangerous, you know, safety is an issue. And what I always kind of back up these days with saying is it's not just women, like men need allies too. Like bullying on site happens all the time. It shouldn't happen. Like I've, I've worked 17 in the industry and, and I know I must've at some point worked with somebody who is being gay, but nobody on site I've ever worked with has been openly gay. And I'm like, what is 2023? Like, yeah. What, what, you know, what is going on here? And I think it's because there is this brutal, like, male bravado if you work in construction. And no, there are so many roles in construction that aren't lifting heavy shit. Like, right. so many roles. <laughs> yeah, so many roles that are so important to the project. They just wouldn't get done. 
Um, and I have to remind people sometimes on the ground that think they are singingly building things brick by brick by themselves and that they've achieved this. And I'm like, what about the designers? What about, yeah, it, it becomes a little bit like that. But yeah, it's important. And I think we're getting slightly better with supporting men. I've seen loads of grown men cry on site. Um, you know, it's not just me being tearful in a port of port loo it's yeah. it's others because of how hard the industry is and why should it be yes. like that if it wasn't we would see a more productivity be less people worried about like family life because they're given a little bit of flexibility and just all around better people yeah no i i could not agree with you more i feel like that's what i've been kind of preaching off the mountaintops as well is like it's not just for the sake of women like you know i was teaching this class like i said this weekend about how to how to attract more women into your class as a shop teacher and at the end of the day i wasn't talking about women at all i was talking about shop culture and that men appreciate a good work environment just as much as women do and, you know, if, if having women in the field is what's going to motivate you to make some changes, cool, but it's really for everybody's benefit because it's just, I'm so tired of these statements of like, well, it's, it's really hard work. You know that it's a really tough environment. You just have to have a thick skin. I'm like, or, or maybe we could make it a more professional environment where you don't have to have a thick skin and you don't have to fear for your life and your sanity and your mental health just doing the job that you love to do, right? Like maybe we can create a better environment for both men and women because men like clean bathrooms too. And I'm pretty sure men don't like having their lunchbox pooped in either. And like, you know, the same stuff happens on the automotive side, like stupid things that we do to each other. And that's just been accepted as the norm and tolerable. And it's just, and we get told you just have to have a thicker skin and tolerate it. I'm like, no. Like, we have to stand up and say that this isn't okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting from your um, perspective as well, because from somebody who's been into, you know, I drive a big truck and everyone thinks it's my husband's. And when I go into a garage, they're like, oh, so do you know where this is? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, is this your, is your husband told you to bring it? And I'm like, it's my truck. And so it's interesting from your uh, industry is that the customers are women. So if culture yes. was changed intent, like I effectively, you know, I can, I can name so many of my friends that hate going to car garages for repairs mm -hmm. or advice because a, they talk to you like, I mean, I get this at home and if a plumber comes around or something, they're like, totally. oh, is your husband going to speak to? And I'm like, he can't even put a shelf up. Like, you know, I put these drains in under the floor. Like I, I know this stuff, but. And again, it's one of those things you kind of have to run a little bit of empathy for because traditionally, but does it yeah. take 10 seconds to think I'll treat everyone as if they're the same and yeah. maybe it's, you know, like if, if someone did say to me, like, I think there's, um, there's some girls down in London that have got a women only car shop and it does Ooh. so well. Yeah, oh, um, it does. It does so well because even though in fact they have guys going they're like well I don't really want to deal yeah. with somebody who's going to rip me off or like tell me something so their business is booming um so yes. the potential for customers and business is huge right but and yeah. like the bar is the bar is so low it takes so little to impress like it takes so little in in so many of these trades to be really impressive by just being nice to people like just being <laughs> decent to other people regardless of their gender and it's 
you, it's funny you bring up that shop because I, I, I used to have a predominantly female shop and we had um, a lot of male customers. And I remember like at the beginning being really surprised that I had male customers and asking them like, okay, like, I'm curious, why do you, why do you come here? Like, you know, you could go anywhere. Why do you come to an all female shop? And they're like, cause I don't know anything about cars and I'm tired of people assuming that I do and being <laughs> expected to, right? Because I think yeah. that happens too. Like a guy walks in and we start talking to them in, in technical language or a girl walks in and we start doing the like, well, do you know what a light bulb is? Um, <laughs> so like, what if we just universally treated everybody like, do you know what this is? Do you want to yeah. know? Okay, cool. I'll explain yeah. it to you. Like, yeah. <laughs> Just ask. Yeah. It's that easy, male or female. Yeah, because on the flip side, you also have, I've, I had some work done, oh God, I think it was quite recently at a house and it was some plumbing work. And this guy felt he had to give me the most intense detail to of like every nook. And I was like, I don't care. I just, does it work? Let me go home. Like, and I, I was at the other end of the spectrum. I was like, I don't need to know what type of washer that is. Or he literally taught me through the whole job. I was like, is he expecting me to redo the job? Like, which is, so it was quite funny. Oh yeah. I, I love that. And I think sometimes it's because they're like excited about it, right? Like as a technician yeah. person, like I get excited about things and I'm like, Ooh, let me tell you about all of the things. And I have to consciously put myself in check and be like, no, <laughs> like, unless they want all that information, don't give it to them. Cause you are just going to bore them out of their minds. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Uh, so, so you set out to be an engineer. You didn't set out to be in construction or how did like, like, I know we keep like diving into like the depth of things, but like, I want to go back to your, like your story a little bit in, in what you do. Are you, so you're a construction engineer. So did you go to engineering yeah. school? Nope. Okay. So I'm not a structural engineer. So in the UK, I don't, okay. I don't think you guys have the same position because I've chatted to a few okay. trades and women. And I think the job that I do is spread out amongst the trades. So Okay. I use, I would, I read uh, the draw, the role in the UK is we read the drawings um, and then there'll be, there'll be a site manager and then the engineers work underneath. And our job is to read the drawings and then to go out on site and work with each individual team. And we use okay. equipment to set out the coordinates that are on the drawings and show the tradesmen where they're building. So for example, if you walk into a field and you're building a house on that field, it'd be my job to get the drawing, to input the coordinates, to go out and pinpoint the corners of the house, to tell them the lines and levels of the brickwork, and then make sure that it is built to the right standard. So we'll have like, we're also in charge of risk assessments and method statements for those little gangs. So an engineer will be looking after gangs and making sure that the gangs have got work to go on to. So it is there is a little bit of management in there and then when things have been built we go back out and we survey it so that we can do an as-built drawing um the role depending on what project you go into and yeah what project you go into really and how big or small the company is changes quite drastically so my brother actually does the same job as me but on the hs2 which is this massive rail thing that's going through the uk at the moment it's the biggest project and his role does not involve any setting out so it doesn't involve going out on site with a machine his is very much a management side so quite quickly if you work for the larger companies you can jump into management i worked for smaller companies because i just like that i liked being on the tools as such and then I shifted stupidly when I was quite heavily pregnant with my first child into management. Cause I was like, okay, I don't want to be lifting stuff. I don't want to be doing that. 
so I'll go into management that seems easy and it was like the worst <laughs> two years of my life. like anyone that is a manager hats off because you have to be a certain breed and I think it's I think purely when I look back at it it's I actually like being liked um or like just respected and as an engineer you're needed because if you don't mark it out they can't build it if you don't tell them right. what line 11 they can't build it as a manager you get hammered from the top hammered from the bottom and I was just like why do people mm. do this um and I didn't like it so I, 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 feel, yeah, I was like who and my brother actually does that job and I'm like he's like oh no it's about people and I'm like no um so I built <laughs> petrol stations again I'd never built a petrol station I was building petrol stations and doing that so that was really interesting but yeah I, I don't have a degree um so I went from I have it sorry I have a degree it was in geography so the job in construction okay. was materials testing and quality assurance which I if if there was a if it was like a qualification they wouldn't be looking for geography for that job but they were so desperate <laughs> I got in the back door and then I basically trained on the job um, and then got like certificates. I did, I went to college to do setting out and surveying. But again, people go for three years. I went for, and this is why imposter syndrome does creep in. I went for like two months. And then it was just like the best way to learn is on a job. And people were teaching me on the job. You can't learn everything in a classroom. And I now you know, have since worked with graduates. So, you know, people that have left university, you guys call it college. And it's they struggle because they have all this book knowledge and they want to be the manager walking around with the coffee and doing stuff and it's like but you've never worked on the ground and you don't understand how things are built and then the respect is never given because the people that do work on the ground are like well then they they don't know how to talk to us and i would say that's the biggest thing anyone that comes to me and says i want to be an engineer i'm like great how good are you talking to people and how respectful are you because if you think you are better than you are, you're not going to go far in this industry and it's going to be a real struggle. But if you can get in a trench with a guy and help him set up a pipe laser or yeah. like if someone asks you for something, can you say, hold on a minute and you go and work it out together with a drawing, that's when you're going to go far. What well, I say that, but what I found in the industry, and I don't know if you find it, is those that can't go up. <laughs> those that can stay in the position so there's a lot of guys that get into jobs and I'm like how have they got this job and they move from company to companies but they they just they haven't got a clue um and it's interesting I think it happens in other industries as well I think it does my 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 father had a phrase for it that I always loved he said people get promoted to their level of incompetency that like sure. if you're good at the job you'll get promoted and then you'll get promoted and then you go for it until they find a job that you suck at and then yeah. you won't get promoted anymore. So <laughs> you get, you wind yeah. up with people who suck at their jobs, but were great at the job they did last time. Yes. So, yes. Interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah the world is an interesting place. <laughs> True. So how did you go from an interest in theater and acting and, and drama to, to geography and surveying and construction? Like, what drew you in that direction? And I've got to ask, was brother, did he do it before you or did he follow in your footsteps? Yeah, so this one's kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, so he left university before me, he's two years older, and he went into medical sales, which, as you guys know, is, is very well paid and yeah. is very hard to get a job in. He had like the flash car, the very good wage. He's got the gift of the gab, like he can talk to anyone. And I was like, oh, like that sucks. Like he came out of university and got an amazing job. And I was not really 
confident enough to go into like film school per se at a young age. So randomly doing during my last year of university, I had this like, oh God, what am I going to do with my life? And I thought, well, I'll study acting. And so many people were really surprised because they're like, oh my God, what is she doing? Like she's the quietest person here. And I didn't want to do it small scale. So I didn't want to stay in the UK. I wanted to go to America and I wanted to go to Hollywood. So I went to Los Angeles. Yeah, like I was, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get discovered in Hollywood and the rest is history. Um, <laughs> like everyone else says. Uh, so I went to LA and I had an amazing time. I uh, went out actually twice, trained. And I I think I just, when I thought I wanted to be an actress, actually I was just incredibly interested in storytelling and how that could always affect people. So. I loved going and still do love big, big cinema um, geek and, and love films and love how they can make you feel. And I think I wanted to be part of that world, but at a young age, didn't have the confidence to even know where to begin. I didn't have any connections and also the acting side really wasn't for me. So I kind of came out to that and then thought, well, I'll just make short films when I get home. Like I'll direct short films and see how that goes. And which I did do for a period of time. And the way to do that was to fund it. So when my brother's friend came to me and said, there's this short term job in construction, they're looking for someone, you've got a geography degree, it's slightly related. Um, do you want it? And I was like, okay. So that's how I literally fell into construction. I never had any intention. Amazing. No, no, inten- no family members that do it. Nothing Amazing. like that. And then my brother was after two years was really unhappy. No, probably more than that probably like three or four years was really unhappy with his job and he was like oh like they tell you how to dress like what to say he's like sucks and I think he saw the freedom that I had so the job that I was in was seasonal but it was paid really well so I used to take three months off of the year maybe even more and just go and travel or just do what the hell I wanted and I think he was kind of jealous of that so he I said, well, look, you can do it too. And he's like, oh, my degree is not even remotely. And I was like, look, if I can blag it, I can teach you how to blag it. So he <laughs> did it and he blagged it because he, he can talk his way into anything, but he, he's very quick at learning as well. So he came over into um, construction and then, well, the quality assurance side of construction. And then when I jumped into surveying and setting out on the engineering side of things, he left it a year and then he jumped too um and now he's gone a completely different route so he's gone like he's now a senior project manager and um has never looked back really he enjoys the industry and everything that gives you again very interested in characters and he's very good at talking with people and uh, yeah gift of the gap so that's how i ended up in construction was it was not a linear path it was not a chosen path and that's what i find chatting to a lot of women that mm-hmm. You know, and this is why I say to young people, try as many things, even now, like not even young people, yes. but I'm finding new things now that I'm very much interested in that need to be explored. And I would, you know, how do you know if you're going to like being a joiner if you've never worked with wood? So go and find a workshop that does it. How do you, like, I could have loved being a mechanic, but I never just decided to pop the trunk and see what was in there or get you know get excited by that and I think that's really important as young girls we aren't exposed to these like I didn't know my job existed totally. and I, it still exists now like I, I will go to school and someone will be like they'll say to my son oh why is your mom wearing a hard hat and he's like oh she works in construction and then the conversation flows of what I do and people go oh right that's really interesting 
it's not just a bricklayer, a plumber, they, they just see. Right. So we have to expose that. And I think social media is amazing. Like the stuff you do is amazing, like pushing out there that we're here. And that's all you have to say, because then people will find you and yeah. it's, you know, it ignites a bit of a fire for someone yeah. to just be intrigued. I agree. There's so many things that I've discovered later in life and, and really enjoyed and been like, wow, if I had been exposed to this when I was younger, like hands yeah. down, I would have pursued this as a career, but we're not exposed to it. And it's not just, it's not just girls these days. It's, it's little boys aren't being exposed yeah. to so many of these career paths, which is, which is why they're also desperate, which is why somebody with a geography degree can get hired. Right. And why your, your yeah. brother was getting hired because they're so desperate for people because yeah. there's just not enough people in these trades, but no, people don't know about them. People don't know that these yeah. jobs exist. How do your parents feel? Because you said dad's a businessman. You didn't mention what mom does, but... Um, yeah, so mom was a, an English... You guys? Uh, I think ultimately now they're, vo they're both incredibly proud. Um, we There was a period of time in the middle of construction where my brother and I decided to go into business, maybe to kind of yeah. follow my dad's footsteps, but not in his business. And, you know, things didn't work out. And I think they didn't work out for a reason. Like, you know, everything happens for a reason. Um, and what has been really good is that I guess we could have followed my dad into his business if we'd really wanted to but by kind of forging our own paths it's it sets you free from you know they don't know a lot about construction so there's very little to kind of sway their opinions on stuff like I asked my dad I actually did a podcast with him a couple of years ago and I said were you never worried about me going to work or and he was like, no, because I knew that you can handle yourself. And I, why would I worry? So not knowing, I think, has helped, has probably helped him go to sleep at night um, as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's hard when you go into a job where your parents know. And I speak to a lot of girls that are in trades that dads have been tradesmen. And I think that's quite hard sometimes because although their dads are really encouraging, they know. They know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's interesting. Are there are there the same or similar things in the UK where there's kind of a you know white collar blue collar real divide between how different jobs are valued? I mean, I know in the US, like if you're in construction, it's not or automotive or in any of the trades, it's um it's not necessarily considered on the same level as if you're a business owner or in like the white collar world. Is that yeah pretty yeah totally there so too? Yeah, it switches though, because right now, uh, well, actually probably for the last 10 years, there's such a demand for construction workers and such a demand for trades that the respect has to be given. So, Oh, interesting. You know, I've not seen yeah. that happen in the US. There's such a demand, oh, no, but the yeah. respect still hasn't happened. No, I think it's, it, it's the tables have turned here. So, for example, if you're an engineer right now, freelance, and you're mm -hmm. good at your job, you can definitely out earn a surgeon or a doctor. Yeah. Or a dentist. Okay. So there's hope for the U S then still, cause we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. And I, I think, don't think, and I don't know on the construction side, but we've definitely not gotten there on the automotive side. Like we're still like second class citizens. I feel like. Yeah. I, th I think, yeah, I think in the back of some people's mind, again, it's hard to generalize, but it's always the, the underdog or it's, you know, it, is it a skill? 
but I think people are starting to realize like how much, especially when if something happens in your home and you need one of those tradesmen, <laughs> the respect given, like, because who else is gonna, you know, fix it? And yeah. I think it's slowly changing. Um, I think that's probably one thing that maybe my parents might have struggled with, with anything is, you know, going to a university and then going into a job. I mean, engineering, typically majority of engineers that I work with have got like an engineering degree. Um, so my role is quite interesting in that you are kind of, I'd say, let's say a gray collar because you fit between the two when you start out and then you definitely go into the blue area, but equally you can stay in white because you're down with the guys on the fit. So I think it's a real nice position to be in because you get the best of both worlds. Um, but yeah, I think the respect has to be there because if the demand drops, the pendulum's going to swing the other way, I'm sure. Right. But that's really yeah. interesting. I don't, I, and maybe I'm just not seeing it. I feel like definitely wages are starting to increase a little bit, but the trades are in such high demand. And yet I still don't feel like society has really come around to understanding the fact that like without the people who build, make and fix things with their own two hands, like the world stops working. <laughs> like yeah. everything ceases to happen. And I had I had somebody argue with me that no matter no matter what I said, that a surgeon had more valuable had more value in society than a plumber. And and I was like, except the surgeon can't wash his hands before surgery without the plumber to put the sink in and make sure that it works properly. So like kind of equal value <laughs> like we all have a role <laughs> like but there's yeah. I just feel like there's such a lack of societal respect um overall but it's uh it's interesting to hear that that's shifting in the UK and maybe there's hope here <laughs> yeah and, and and also I think it doesn't really matter what industry or career that you've got I've seen lots of people that are so talented on so many different levels that are trades workers and then people that have, and I have to be careful here because my husband has been on the linear trajectory in education. So he's okay. a, um, yeah, he's like what we call a reader, which I think is like an associate professor in America. Okay. And he's very much been on this journey of knowing where he wants to go and what he wants to do. And I, some people, not him, some people in, in those types of careers, actually, because they're not exposed to lots of different jobs, lots of different people, problem solving, you know, the harsh environment, their skill set is pretty limited. It's it's tailored mm. to what they want to do and is great in their field. But then, you know, if you throw them into a situation where they have to think outside the box, they struggle. And what I've seen with people that work in construction, it doesn't matter what level you work at, there's so many different skills that come from that that need to be respected mm. um, working with people. And, and people say, oh, you get that in every job. And having worked in, you know, other industries and having had my own business, I'm like, no, not really. Like, this is a fast-paced, harsh environment. And everyone that does any job needs respect. And that's what's annoying, isn't it? Is that just because you've gone to university and you earn however amount of money and, and do a particular job that is seen as good. Like, and I think right now with, you know, the fall of, you know, like bankers and what bankers did mm -hmm. to the economy and then... Harvey Weinstein stuff like we're starting to realize that actually you know there's people in power are not as as clean cut as we all think and right. some people that are very very um you know good at the jobs and, and clean and 
respectful are those that are perceived as ones at the bottom of the food chain, which is is wrong. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. It's a it's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of layers to all of this, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I just looked at the time. We are like we've used up our hour already, and I feel like we've just started scratching the surface. Um, I feel like you and I see eye to eye in so many ways, and I feel like we could talk for hours still. Um, but I want to be respectful of your time. I know it's getting late there. Um, I'm just starting my day. You're getting ready to wrap your day up. Um, but so I I have a, a I guess two final questions, if that's okay. Um, yeah. So one is if you could, if you could wave a magic wand and change anything about your industry and uh, the environment that you work in or the culture uh, in the construction trades, like what, what would you change if I, if you could just like, boop. <laughs> I change. Um, yeah, this is hard. Cause it can, I guess comes down to like changing whole personalities of people. <laughs> uh, I, I would, I would stamp out because I think it would not only help women, but men, but I would stamp out the bullying, um, that would have to be one thing that just firstly goes because that affects so many people um, at all different levels. And I think if management and company directors were to make a real strong standpoint on this, that if things were said or done in a wrong manner, that there is no brushing under the carpet, it is you are gone. Um, so I guess that would be my magic wand. I love that. That's that's perfect. That, that and, and clean toilets for everyone. Yes. Simple one. Thank you. Everybody wants a clean toilet. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and and I think, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna swirl moment here. I think like the clean bathrooms are like they feel like you know, I know people giggle and laugh, especially like you know, big burly manly men will be like, ha ha ha, whatever, clean toilets, it doesn't matter, right? But I, they think I'm being silly and making a big deal out of nothing. But I feel like there's like this underlying thing that if you give people clean bathrooms, good toilet paper, amenities, well lit, good tools, all of those things, those are all signs of respect. And when yeah. you treat people with respect, they will treat you with respect back and you will create a more respectful work environment. And it seems silly to say that your type of toilet paper and the cleanliness of your bathroom matters, but it matters <laughs> because it sets the yeah. tone. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I studied business, business studies at, um, at a level and there was the Maslow hierarchy of needs and it's like basic mm. needs and you work where like basic needs in construction. It's just, you know, it's hard. It's messy. Let's just have a clean toilet. These to toilet paper that when you use it is not instantly see through. I don't know why they cut costs on toilet paper. Um, but yeah, look, why not those simple base or even a mug that you are able to clean. So the biggest, biggest bugbear in the UK for women that I speak to, and we all have the same story is the women's toilet has a key and you're given the key and it's like made this special, like almost like ceremony that you're getting a key. And then you open the door and it's a broom. It's a cupboard full of crap that they've stored in there that falls on top of you. And then once you get rid of that, you have the key and you're like, great. And then you come back the next day and you realize somebody else has the key and they've yes. been in the toilet because it's clean because they know you're the woman you're going to clean. It. And it's normally the manager that's given you that key has kept the second key and thinks you're stupid when you're like, you know, do they not think we'd realize? And then I'm just like, would, would you do, I, half the time I'm like, and I have done this in my, in like my later years, where I've been like, 
would you have done that at home? Would your wife right. accept that? I mean, they're all embarrassed and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. and I'm like, but, so uh, don't do it at work. Like, I don't need to see that. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny. It, yeah. I would never get it's to ex- it. It's extra funny how universal that experience is. Cause like, it is not yeah. just like you had that experience. It's like, I could talk to like a thousand women today and they will give a similar story. And it is 100% yeah. the truth, but it, it is, it's, it's about both men and women. It's that baseline of respect. And if, if we want people to respect each other on the job, maybe we should have management respect us and treat us the way that yeah. we deserve to be treated. So. Very good. I'm. I appreciate that. And the bullying, one hundred percent. It it has to. It has to stop the hazing, the bullying, even the good natured stuff. Like I get irritated with even like the the the. It's ha 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 funny, right? Like somebody's diagnosing a car, and somebody's standing behind them, clicking two wrenches together. And we we see those videos, and everybody laughs, and it gets hundreds of thousands of views, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's so funny." And I'm like, "No, it's not actually, because that's that guy's living. Like that's yeah. his." That's how he's making his money to feed his family and himself and you're wasting his time and it's disrespectful. It's just, it's not, it's just not cool. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) All right. So final question. Um, You've dropped a a ton of great advice for, for young folks out there already. Um, I'm going to final like words of advice to the younger Michelle, little baby Michelle, given her advice out in the world or another little you out there. What are your words of wisdom and words of inspiration for her? I guess for me right now would be just be curious, stay curious. If it's something you're interested in, go for it. Um, try not get to bogged down with life of, you know, having certain things to achieve. I think as women, we perhaps do that at certain levels, you know, just give it a go. It's going to be tough, but you will be resilient and you will get through it. And also, you know, learning, you're learning on whatever journey that you take yourself on. Um, ultimately, I guess if I was to put it into one sentence would be, you know, give yourself a break. Cause I think that's one thing that I did is I beat myself up on the journey about things that had happened, things I didn't do, things I did do, but give yourself a break and, and enjoy the process. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Perfect. You are amazing, Michelle. I have absolutely thoroughly enjoyed hanging out and chatting with you. Uh, Folks at home, I hope you guys enjoyed meeting her as much as I did. Um, Definitely go follow her, follow her podcast, follow her on social media. Um, The name of her podcast, She Who Dares Wins. That's her social media as well. I will have all of it in the comments below. She puts out a ton of great content and just incredibly inspiring. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining, Michelle. And everybody at home, thank you guys for spending an hour with us and hanging out. Remember to come back next week. We've got another awesome tradeswoman that we'll be hanging out with. And of course, every Monday night, you get an archive episode released as well. Um, So twice a week, you get a a new episode to watch uh, more inspiring women for you to meet and get to know on the With Her Two Hands series. And of course, you can listen anytime, anywhere, anywhere you get your podcasts or watch on YouTube and on Facebook. And for now, I will quit blabbing and I will let you guys enjoy the rest of your evening. Be good to yourselves. Be good to one another. And we'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs) 